Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Biz Dads. I'm taking over for Brad on tonight's introduction. This is Andres. Tonight's show is going to feature an introduction where we're going to talk about the final two episodes of the Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. We're going to talk about in business news, unemployment. In the cul-de-sac chat, we're going to talk about going out in public, starting to have meetings, getting out on the road. In sports biz, NASCAR is returning. And talk about rumblings of Major League Baseball, MLS, college football, and the 4th of July holiday. In the partnership spotlight, we're going to talk about basketball and Wilson and Spalding. And we're going to round out the show with the final four top vacation ideas for summer 2020. Started with another edition of Biz Dads. Hey, Andres, great job there on the intro. I like it. You're going to take me out of a job there, buddy. Hardly. Just practicing, Brad. I love it. Well, look, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of sad today, man. I watched episode nine and 10. The last dance is over. The song is done. They're clearing the floor. I miss it. Yeah, I miss I it already. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good documentary, great documentary. No, I'm with you. I mean, it brings back a ton of memories. You think back about that last shot that Jordan hit over Brian Russell and winning that championship, and then it just abruptly came to an end. But it was awesome. It it kind of helped fill the void. Now the sports are kind of starting to slowly crank back up. It was uh, it was fun TV for the last like four weeks. I don't know what my wife and I are going to do. Yeah. You know, I, for me, it was kind of sentimental. I, we hadn't talked about this before, but I started thinking about how influential those years were in my life. But no, man, when you get a chance to relive some of those memories and those big shots and it's just, it just fascinating. The way that whole story was put together, I could have done another 10 episodes. Yeah, I agree. Jordan, when I was young, it was just the basketball player, right? And now when you see this other side of him, you realize it was all this intricate stuff <laughs> happening behind the scenes, which made for good TV. But just the basketball alone, like the rivalries and all the teammates that he had and the coaches, just the basketball part was cool to watch. But then just getting a chance to kind of peek into what were the practices like. And obviously everybody knows about the competitive drive and how just sort of laser tunnel vision focused Jordan was. So it was kind of neat to be able to watch somebody that was in their prime perform now that, you know, you're in your prime, Brad, and I'm trying to get into my prime. You know, you think about, are you are you able to dial it up the way Jordan dialed it up? I mean, I think my prime kind of makes you realize was like a decade what, ago. Yeah. What you have to do, you know, I um, makes you realize like the level of commitment. No doubt. Well, it was it was pretty fascinating to me, especially to see it all come to conclusion there. And it was a very touching moment with Steve Kerr when last week they had talked about them getting in a fight and have tough being tough teammates and how they resolve that. Then you, you don't even I didn't even realize that Steve Kerr had the, the issue with his dad and he had lost his dad similar to Jordan's, you know, but uh, it's it just again, such an incredible story to be told on all those guys. And it brought back funny memories. I don't I remember Rodman, you know, all the hubbub around Rodman not being there in 98 and kind of disappearing there for a while to be on WWE. But I remember that WW or WCW thing with Hulk Hogan, which made me start dying laughing because I had to show it to Ben because we talked about how big he is into wrestling. So I just, it, I mean, those types of memories that revitalizing those things, it was fun. It was great to see. I, I mean, it made them all human, right? I mean, can you imagine if an NBA like superstar left the team and missed a practice and was like the next, like next thing you know, you turn on TV and he's in a reality TV show, or in this case, like a wrestling show. I mean, and then he came back and he played like awesome against Carl Malone in the yeah. finals, like the next night. That that really stuck out to me. And then the other thing that really stuck out to me was when Jordan came to practice and he's listening to Kenny Lattimore on his like CD Walkman. He's right. on the on the bus and he goes to practice and he's like, "Of course, I'm Jordan. I've got this before everybody else, right?" And <laughs> The reporters are like filming him in his like casual street clothes outfit and his shoes, you know, and he starts burying shots and he's loose and he's like, yeah, I had a couple beers, I had a cigar and they're like, what, at the Jordan bar? And he's like, no, in my room. And I'm thinking, imagine like a guy six hours before tip off, like down in a couple brewskis and having a smoke and then like goes out and just dominates. Uh, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's nuts. Yeah, one of the, talking about Carl Malone, one of the things I loved, how classy of it was him 
was he coming on that bus um, right. after they beat them and making sure he recognized everybody. I mean, he went out of his way to do that. I, the mailman was always a class act. He was always one of my favorites. Such a contrast to some of the other villains that they profiled early in the series. Well, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do was, from here on out, man, trying to uh, trying to fill the first few minutes of this thing. We're going to have to find an, a new documentary to, uh, to chime in and, and make sure we can talk about here every week. Well, maybe we'll talk about, does that leadership style that we saw on display over the last month, would that work in today's like business world. I mean, Jordan had, you know, a couple of a uh, couple of moments and practices where he, you know, came to fisticuffs with a couple guys. I think that would be kind of fascinating to, to to break down and just whether or not that leadership style would work. I mean, it maybe it would work today in the in the basketball world, but I don't know. I mean, I don't think that leadership be, style would work today in any sports environment. I think too <laughs> many too many open locker rooms, man. Social media provides an outlet for everybody to chirp chirp around and and talk trash and. I think you no longer have that tight knit what happens here stays here mentality. There's too many personalities and everybody's got their own opinion and you got everybody thinks they're the Jordan. There was no doubt when you were watching the Bulls from the mid eighties to the late nineties that he was the man and nobody challenged it. Now in every team there's somebody challenging the GOAT, right? The the best on the team or trying to be the best on the team. There are very few Michael Jordans, Tom Brady's, right? I mean, there's not one in Major League Baseball, you know what I mean, in my opinion. The the best players in Major yeah. League Baseball are kind of all across the board, are the quiet ones, the Mike Trouts of the world. I don't think that leadership right. style can work nowadays. I think we'd get blown up pretty quick, and they'd be a villain very fast. Well, I thought in terms of you know just wrapping up, thought that I would leave you with some of my parting shots if you want to hear them. These Let's are my go. three or four kind of takeaways. All right. So first and foremost, in terms of leadership, things that I think you can adapt to your point. I don't know if the the leadership style of, you know, the way Jordan did it in the 90s with the Bulls would work, but I do think you can adapt some of the things and strategies. So first and foremost is commitment. I think have to make sure that your your team, the people that follow you, the people that you're leading, see that your level of commitment and authenticity is is genuine and it's visible. And they have to believe that you wouldn't ask them to do anything that you weren't willing to do yourself. And I think Jordan personified that, right? He was willing to put in all the work. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to go to, to absolute any means to win. So that first one is commitment. Secondly, commitment is I think from a leadership standpoint, you got to set expectations. You know, this is what we're going after. This is why. And this is what we're going to do. And this is what it's going to take. And I thought he took a pretty shitty team, you know, when he was a young player. And finally, by the time he was, what, in his sixth or seventh year, he turned it into a winner. But I thought all along the way, he, in this series, kind of captured it, that his singular commitment was winning the Larry O'Brien trophy. So third, no hidden agendas. I think everybody has to be laser focused on that singular mission. In this case, winning championships. Sure, Michael won five MVPs, but it was never really about him winning titles. He used the fact that he didn't win MVPs to motivate him, to fuel him. He talked about that even that last series MVP in the 97 season. It used, he used that as fire. And then fourth is you've got to leverage and unlock the talents of your teammates. And I think Jordan was able to do that in some cases, but I think he also knew that in order to win, he needed Pippen, he needed the triangle, he needed Steve Kerr, he needed Bush, you know, Bushler, he needed Tony Kukoc. You saw that come out a little bit, and I think with, with time and over you know, the decades that have passed since, since they won, he's probably softened a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, those were my four takeaways. Pretty it was good great. TV. Definitely something I plan to show my show my boys when they get older you know it's pretty great because i think if you if you ask anybody those four things could apply to sports they can apply to business they can apply to parenting there's no doubt about it i'm sitting here listening to you go through them and i'm thinking how those things can help me with the challenges we're facing with our boys right now in there you know and, and how they are all kind of getting crazy with being confined and you know they're at each other and you know things that we need to focus on and ways we need to to implement some of those those four things now you replace hidden agendas with honesty right you could yeah. talk about, you could replace yeah. leverage your talents of your team to you know play into the strengths of everybody in the family and working together as a team i just i i love i love it because 
you know, if you think about commitment, you've got to be committed. I tell my boys all the time, finish strong. And I say it at nauseum. But if they do anything, whether it's a puzzle, whether it's homework, whether it's baseball or sports, I've got to get them to finish. Finishing is where yeah. people fail, right? Is they don't complete. They don't finish the race. They don't finish the assignment. They don't focus on the what the end is. And when you look at kind of setting expectations, that's something the expectation is to finish at your best, to finish better than you started. And he did that. Jordan did that with everything. And I just, I love how that entire 10 part series could literally have been applied to any part of your life. And I think that sums it up best, better than anything is to your point, you show it to the boys. I'm going to show it to the boys and, and, and they're going to understand, right? These are the things that yeah. it takes to be great. Yeah, definitely. Ironically, Maximum, my youngest one, was probably up for most of the series. He'd sneak out of bed, and he's, you know, three years old, and he'd come downstairs and end up watching it, you know, till 11 or midnight with Heidi and I. But, uh, yeah, there was just there – was, there was some human elements, too, that I thought were pretty touching. Jordan, again, you know, when you're watching him when you're in, you know, a teenager, you're not really seeing that side of him, but I thought it was – particularly cool to see him I think it was in the fourth you know week or third week when he kind of got emotional and he literally called a timeout and said you know I just need a break yeah. and it was when he was sort of being asked to talk about his leadership style and his his, uh, his competitive streak and he well, said, and how people you know, thought of him as a leader yeah right. yeah I wanted guys to experience winning and I didn't want to do it alone and I think every one of those guys, you know, that was a role player all probably now years later look back and said, yeah, he was tough and he pushed us and demanded a lot of us, but we were winners. And as I said before, <laughs> nothing's, you know, nothing's better than winning, baby. So, well, you know, was, and it goes back uh, to our conversation. It goes back to our conversation with Tim. And when we talked about leadership and entrepreneurship and all of that, I mean, it is Michael Jordan was definitely the type of person he was he had the attributes and the assets that, that everybody wanted to follow. It wasn't just what he did on the court, which was obviously a hundred percent of, or the majority of why people, you know, idolized him and followed him, but it's practice when people aren't looking, those are the types of times that you've got to be at your absolute best. So good stuff. I'm sad to see it go crazy weekend this weekend, Andres. I don't know about you, but we got out and about a little bit. Georgia has mm -hmm. taken a, you know, a lax uh, approach to some of the opening things up. We got out. We had a fire pit going. We had another couple come over. We opened the good wine for that, which was great. Two of our good friends came over, and we cracked some wine from our France trip. And I almost, I treated it like, for me, mentally, this is the end of the quarantine. Mm -hmm. Everybody's not there. I get it. Judge me if you want. But for me, mentally, this was the end of the quarantine. Then we drive around. We went up to my in-laws. They're selling their house. And it was kind of the last chance for Margaret Ann to to see the old house that she grew up in because they're moving this week and it was great we all wrote down memories you know of our time in the house you know Margaret and I's relationship started when they were living in that house and obviously they have so many more but it was kind of fun but on the way up there we drove down by the Chattahoochee man it was Memorial Day weekend on any other year it was so many people out and about I couldn't believe how many people were out there. Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely noticed that it's starting to loosen up. I had two quick stories uh, about the weekend. So it was awesome weather here in Georgia. Many parts of the country, I heard, had really good weather. So great weather here. One thing that happened <laughs> Saturday, midday, mid-morning, Heidi says, you know, hey, our friends invited kids over to a slip and slide. She had taken them on Friday and there's just one other family that we kind of quote unquote closed the loop with. So I take the kids over there and what most people don't know is that Renzo, my middle one, is like super allergic to any kind of bees, ants, anything, wasps, anything that stings them. So we're kind of mindful when we take him out about taking an EpiPen because he, he's already had one incident that led to the emergency room and like an overnight stay due to oh, some wow. fire ants that bit him anyhow long story short he gets bitten while we're out <laughs> the slip and slide and it just made me like literally cause this like tense moment we had benadryl he was fine his like total back started swelling up and i could just totally see Heidi at home, like, I let you with him for literally 30 
minutes. <laughs> and the next thing you know, we're going to the emergency room. Well, we dodged a bullet. Good. Um, thank Renzo's God. Good. Every dad out oh, there has been in that situation dude, where man. you have nothing so to be wracking, but you have nothing to be blamed for, but you still would be blamed. We should have talked oh, about that with our wives last weekend. So anyway, that that was a big like relief that he was fine. And then the other one, to your point about people getting out and about. So one of the families in our neighborhood, their uh, little girl had a birthday party and they basically kind of announced it on Facebook. Like, you know, come over, say hi if you want, sit around, have a drink, have a cocktail. And about I would say about 10 of the 14 houses in our neighborhood were there. And I decided not to go. So I would come kind of on the other end relative to I know some people that we it was a pretty big turnout. There were probably, you know, 25, 30 people out. Nobody was wearing a mask. Everybody was trying to kind of maintain distance. But it was pretty tightly clustered, I would say. Definitely different than what you would have seen two, three weeks ago, much less a month ago. The kids, we let the kids kind of go and and sort of hang out a little bit and Heidi went out and just to say hello and everything. But I think everybody understands that we've talked about this. Just people are going to be ready to socialize when they're ready to socialize and ready to, to do things. So those are my two stories from the weekend. Uh, I think we're going to talk a little bit about work and travel with work, but yeah, definitely feeling like things are opening up. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny when you think about how different everyone is approaching it, even within our family, we're seeing a big difference about how everybody is handling it. I had a crazy day today where I actually had my first sit-down business meeting in a restaurant in over 60 oh, days. Wow. And wow. we went to a Waffle House, uh, not a place I normally go for lunch, but it was the only place I could find open up where we were trying to meet. And it was weird. And I wasn't, it wasn't yeah. weird for me because I was afraid I was going to catch the coronavirus. It was weird for me because... I wasn't sure how to act. It was that crazy moment. If you've ever seen uh, Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I literally felt that way where I didn't know whether I put my hands on the table. I put my hands in my lap, whether I sat too close, I sit too far away. You know, could he, was he going to spit on me? Was I going to spit on him? You know, it was just really, it was really weird. The, the, yeah. the waitresses were phenomenal. I felt like the place was clean. I can't always say that about a Waffle House, but I felt like this Waffle House was clean. <laughs> and it was awkward. And he and I spent the first probably 10 minutes talking about it. And then we jumped into business. But even when we were talking business, it was hard for me to focus on things like, what am I touching? Where am I putting my hands? Like, is he, am I making him uncomfortable? That kind of thing. It's tough, man. Business meetings are already difficult when it comes to body language and this was a guy that we're talking about doing business together. Can you imagine how everybody's going to be reacting? It's going to be on such a different, different edge of the spectrum in every meeting that you have. Yeah, there's going to be some good Saturday Night Lives and stuff coming out with, with all this. It's so funny no you doubt. say that about like the shaking hands because I remember. Don't you remember? I mean, only literally like nine weeks ago when they were like, "Don't shake hands," and people were like fist bumping and like touching elbows and it was like your way of acknowledging that person especially if it was somebody that you knew because we're in the south right and in the south probably in other parts of the country too like looking somebody in the eye and we all grew up right firm handshake look them in the eye that's kind of when you win the meeting right that first three to five seconds and that that's all different now so how did you win the meeting brad how did you get the <laughs> tension <laughs> You know, I think I win the meeting the same way I do every time. I captivate the audience, Andres, oh, just like our podcast audience here today. No, I, it's go. a great question because you judge a person by their handshake. I do, right? Yeah. I judge a person by their handshake. Yeah. He made it comfortable because he went in for the elbow and I followed suit and got that it. was that. I came in first, sat down in the booth. He came in five minutes later. He's like, no, no, don't get up. And he kind of gave me an elbow across the table. And it was a seamless transition, if you will. But I mean, it was it was interesting for me just to to be in an environment where I'm normally very, very comfortable and one where I have this level of empathy with reading body language and whatnot. And he was I think he was much more comfortable probably than I was. Um, I don't think my uncomfortableness was portrayed in the conversation, but I knew I was always conscious of just whether or not I was leaning on the table getting too close or whether or not I 
was sitting farther back. I know I used a hell of a lot more napkins than I usually use because yeah. I was like making sure I touched my face with napkin when my nose itched or something. It was it was weird, and it was just. Yeah. I hope it gets better because that's not a way. You didn't share like rolls or eat. No, I mean, that, all no. that kind of stuff, you know, like in the South, like you go to some restaurants in the South, right? And they put a, like butter biscuits out in front of you. I mean, all that's like not going to happen anymore. And, you know, the obligatory questions. How long do you talk about COVID and coronavirus before you can be like, okay, everybody's talked about this for nine weeks. Yeah. Let's just talk about whatever, something else. You know, again, I, I can't speak highly enough about how, smooth this meeting went you know outside of what was going on in my head i guess but it was probably a solid six to seven minutes of conversation then we moved into business now our business and the business that we were discussing is so much about the live event space and venues Uh. and whatnot so i don't count that as part of the covid conversation what when we were talking about each other and our surroundings and how we're handling it was about five to seven minutes then we moved into business. It was, it was again, a very comfortable environment with the exception of the fact that in my head, I was just always conscious of where things were and what I was doing, where normally I'm just much more flowing and, and I let the empathy kind of roll as, as part of the conversation, not necessarily what I'm doing with my hands and where I'm sitting, et cetera, et cetera. So wow. I don't know, maybe it'll make me a better communicator in the long run because I'll have that, and that, that antenna up on a higher level, but just something for everybody out there to think about as you get back into some of these businesses, uh, business meetings, because we can't, you and I can't do this without meeting in person. We can't do our jobs without meeting in person. It, it really is difficult. Yeah, no, my industry is wrestling with and toying with because in the investment world, a lot of a lot of the investment sales activity happens, or at least it's finalized with a face to face meeting, whether it's on site due diligence, you know, coming to meet the investment team and the investment manager. That's a big part of it to kind of quote unquote kick the tires. Or in the case of, you know, in, in more my day to day, maybe it's, you know, working with a family or a, an individual or a financial advisor. A lot of it is just they want to meet somebody that's a representative of the investment company. They usually want to do it over lunch or breakfast or in their office or over coffee or something. And so, I mean, and a lot of people, I can tell certain age demographics, like they don't do Zoom, like they don't do go to meeting. I mean, so the good old fashioned phone sale that was very popular in the 80s is coming roaring back in my industry. So if you don't have the ability to read audio cues and pick up on things, or you can't get somebody talking without being kind of a good quote unquote phone bullshitter, like your sales progress is kind of stalling out. Wow. And, uh, It's fortunately, I'm somebody that I think I adapt okay to the situation. I'd like to think I do, which is why I've been in sales for so long. But I've definitely noticed that you have to be very nimble because everybody is different. Some people don't like using all the technology. Some people are more visual. Some people call you off off hours. Uh, I had a guy call me this weekend. He's like, I was just sitting in traffic and I called 13 people. And I realized you want to call somebody in our business and not talk to them, but leave them a message, just call them on a Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so it's just different. I mean, everybody's having to adjust on the fly. You know, it's maybe think of an interesting story because I do believe that some people are getting probably too comfortable with this technology that is allowing you to, you know, be in a less formal attire that is allow. I think, I think some people are braver when they're behind a computer, probably things would say yeah. things more than, than they didn't think more than they would if they were in person. You know, I we had an HOA meeting, a homeowners association meeting, and I'm on the board of our homeowners association. Uh, and we had a Zoom call for the annual meeting, which is normally done at the pool pavilion. And it normally has 30 homes. We're a 100-home community. We normally have 30 homes. We barely, barely reach a quorum of a third, which would be 32. So we're usually struggling with it every year. This year, we had a bet on what, who was going to be the over-under on how many, and I got smoked. I thought it was going to be low. It was almost it was over 50 people signed into this Zoom and participated wow. in conversation. A lot of great spirited debate on certain things, some things that needed to be debated, some things that probably didn't, my opinion only. 
but certain things, everybody seemed to be more engaged and more vocal in a mm. virtual environment than they do when they're in person. And I wonder how that translates in the business environment. You said something there that I loved, and I hope that the younger generation has to figure it out. And that's how to sell or how to communicate on a phone, right? Mm -hmm. How to communicate when you're yeah. not in person. Because I think that's uh, how relationships <laughs> that's how relationships grow. You don't always have face-to-face -face yeah. meetings with your relationships. You've got to be able to expand a relationship in a virtual environment. Not Zoom, but on a phone call or a text message or right. whatever it is. Interesting yeah. stuff. Good segue. Yeah. We talked a little yeah, business definitely. there. Let's get into this week's uh, biz news. Andres, my favorite show on television, and maybe I'm it is not way too young for it this. Is not. No, no, my minutes. favorite show on television is sixty minutes. Now, I, people are going to probably have to check to see how old I am when I say that, but I, it's my favorite show. Absolutely love it. But I didn't catch this week. You did. What'd you see? Sixty minutes. I grew up watching, and it was always on after the three o'clock football game right. right in the midwest and so it was like right before dinner 60 minutes would come on and that's usually four o'clock for the rest of the world so by week, the way yeah that's right <laughs> so this week uh fed chair jerome powell was on and usually the fed chairman is kind of hard to access individual they don't just you know go on cnbc and cnn and fox you know, news. So this was a pretty big deal, pretty big interview. And this week, Scott Pelley interviewed Jerome Powell and talked about COVID and the state of the economy and the huge unemployment numbers that came out. I mean, obviously, we almost hit 15% unemployment uh, with the April jobs numbers that came out. So the takeaway from the interview was America has always bounced back from sessions and depressions like and and I don't think anything is different in this case. Personally, I agree with the chairman. So that was one thing is just, you know, bullish on the US economy. And the other thing that he said was, you know, hopefully we're going to obviously develop a vaccine at some point. Um, but he did say he was just unsure as to how quick like that was going to happen. And, you know, he's not a scientist, so he didn't give any predictions. But he said, you know, we we may have an economic environment that is shaky or, you know, uncertain uh, into next year. But you don't know. Maybe our economy bounces back quicker. But he talked a little bit about that. It was about a 15-minute interview with Scott Pelley. It was pretty good. I kind of took away from it that he sort of hinted that the Fed is prepared to step in and do whatever it needs to do to continue to prop up the economy and support the economy, including consumers. The Fed can only do so much. So it was it was a good interview. If you get a chance... I'd encourage you to go out and check it out this week. Yeah, I'm going to have to check it out. I think there's just um, so many different views on where things are going to come from, and it's hard to get the the real story. What's fascinating me is, you know, whether side of the aisle you fall on from a political standpoint, this has become a very political discussion. Um, even, even doctors are being or organizations are being tied to one side or the other. And it just, at the end of the day, I want somebody to tell me the bare bones, this is what's happening. I don't even feel like you can get a straight report now on where the numbers are. Our state had some issues with reporting this week. And I mean, it, it, trying to find out who, where the right numbers are and who's going to tell the right part of the story and avoiding the clickbait, the scare tactics, it's driving me a little nuts. That's where I got to the whole I'm over it this weekend mentality. Yeah, I mean, look, and and any news, any news outlet including 60 minutes is going to have detractors and I mean they I think they generally tend to be, you know, one that trying to be objective. Uh look, I mean, my whole sense on the economy is I think it comes down to a lot of people just feeling confident again to go out and start going to restaurants and start going to you know, the movies and start going to do all the things. And I mean, I'm, I'm one of those, like, I'm not, I'm not blowing and going yet. Right. I mean, we're consuming, but we're doing it d in different ways. Uh, we're definitely not eating out as much as a family. Uh, we're definitely not doing as much carry out, but I do think the economy feels like it's opening up more. I think that's pretty obvious to people. And I do feel like states are starting to relax 
rules and ideas that they had in place that maybe, you know, camps weren't going to open up. I saw Texas is going to allow stay away camps, for example, this summer, uh, things like that. You know, things are changing pretty quickly. I don't know what the health outcomes will be. Uh, nobody really does, but it does feel like the economy is starting to kind of ramp back up. And I think as confidence grows and people feel like there's a vaccine out there, I mean, you saw, I don't know if you saw the market today, but it was up three and a half percent. And a lot of that was yeah. due to the, you know, confidence people have in the fact that there's some vaccines that are on the horizon. So, well, again, I'm, you know, you can have a diff several different viewpoints on whether or not a vaccine is necessary, whether or not it's, you know, herd immunity needs to develop, whether you have to have an actual cure to open your city. Look, there are plenty of vaccines, viruses are viruses, man. And there are plenty of vaccines out there that don't cure the virus, don't keep you from getting the virus, are you, you are hedging your bet when you do get the vaccine, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. saying I, I, this is giving me a better than not chance of getting it. We have to just get out. And I think a lot of people, based on what I'm seeing, and particularly around here, a lot of people are just starting to get out. You know, one of the things I was talking about with somebody earlier about the economy is the money that is being saved by those people that are at home, by the class, the, 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 the individuals who haven't been deeply affected by this, who still have their jobs, haven't been furloughed, et cetera. You know, those that are on unemployment that are actually gaining more and are more cash stable now than they ever were before. You know, some people were living paycheck to paycheck and now they're getting 900, whatever, $100 a week. They're cash flush. They're not spending it out. They're not wasting it on things that they may normally, I shouldn't say waste it, but they're not spending it on more frivolous things that they might um, normally. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be interested to see how things like Black Friday play out this year. You know, which is yeah. the ultimate, the you know, the ultimate barometer for the retail space. Are people going to be so tired from having been locked up and not have the things that they had? Are they going to spend more? You know, vacation rentals in the second half of the year are going to be something that I'm pretty interested to see. There's going to be a total blow up in prices, and you'll get gouged left and right to rent a house. You know, in places that we go, 30A, could you imagine it's going to cost a fortune for us to get a house down there if this thing clears up for fall break, if there is a fall break? You know, that's the kind of stuff yeah, where you hopefully there's a huge I, return of the economy because you do see that spike for good or bad. I think there's a lot of people that have the means to do so. The discussion is around like, I've been cooped up at home for nine weeks, eight, nine weeks. I need I need a short vacation. It's Memorial Day this weekend. Summer's kicking off. Schools are getting you know, to the very end, we have two more days and families are like, where are we going? You know, if you live in Atlanta and the metro area where we live, you're looking at North Carolina, you're looking at Alabama, Florida's a little bit more shut down. So you're looking at some different areas. And uh, yeah, and I think a lot of people are trying to figure out like, what are our plans going to be for the summer? Because certain camps are shut down, certain sports leagues are shut down. And like, I can't stay at home. Like I need to get out and I need to do something. I mean, we're definitely feeling that. So yeah, we're just inching along probably at a little slower pace than some other families, but I'm glad to hear that you're getting out and about and socializing. I mean, that's what's going to make it feel more normal. So it's good to hear. Well, a good, good segue here. And let's get into this week's cul-de-sac chat. So Andres, we talked about it a lot here and I wanted to, to get your opinion on this more specifically. When are you thinking you're going to be going out into public? When do you think, have you decided yet when you'll start having face-to-face -face meetings? So on this, on the social side, church is opening up that it's going to open up in the next week or two. So that's going to be a decision point. I'm interested in kind of getting back into a routine on the weekend and, you know, online church has been cool and, and good, but uh, I definitely miss seeing people. And, and so that's, that's something that's probably down the road for us in the next three or four weeks. Look, I mean, I think over the next two, three, four weeks, I find myself, I'll probably be getting back into the office on a more consistent basis after Memorial Day. I've been getting out and exercising, not with really any, you know, with any at any particular gym or anything. That's definitely something that I miss because uh, my building in Buckhead had a gym and I enjoyed using that, you know, in the mornings before work or, you know, after work or whatever. But uh, some of those things are probably not going to come back right away, which I'm, you know, I'm OK with. The opportunity to come over and check out your new uh, your new fire pit 
I'm just waiting an invitation, Brad, and then I'm 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 down. Um, Open invitation. And then, like I said, I mean, there's definitely going to be more. Yeah, there's definitely going to be more stuff happening around our neighborhood. I mean, our little swim and tennis you know, club down the street. I think they're trying to figure out when to open up. So it's going to be harder and harder, especially with the little kids to, you know, to stay locked down and stay in the backyard. So I think, you know, it's just, it's a matter of time. We're just going to try to be smart and try to be vigilant. And then on the business front, you know, it's really dependent on our clients and prospective clients. I mean, some of them I can tell are probably not keen on having people kind of flying in and doing meetings. And I think others are, going to start to do that more in the summer but i would think by fall the business travel will start to pick up a little bit from what i'm gathering from other people in my firm that are traveling a little bit that the airports are still super super quiet you know maybe 10 15 percent of the normal traffic so i mean for now we're not quote unquote missing out on sales act- activities and opportunities because we're not traveling uh, the conference circuit's totally shut down in our industry until at least the fall, maybe the winter. So as you know, as we get closer to the end of the third quarter, early fourth quarter, I think we'll know. You know, if we're missing opportunities, we're gonna have to start making choices about getting on planes. What about you? Well, I think we're we're like I said, we're already there. I'm not going back into the office. I'm not making our staff go back into the office. I'm not gonna have bookend meetings back to back to back and do lunches every week. But I'll start to ease back into them from a business standpoint. From a personal standpoint, you know, we had um, a bunch of kids get together and played some baseball this weekend for our travel baseball team. Like I said, we've we've had you know some folks over at the house. Margaret Ann went to her first workout class, her first uh, OTF Orange Theory Fitness today. She came back like a different woman, man. It was a stressful day with the kids. She went to k- catch a 415 class and she came back in an amazing mood. And it made me feel good. It made me awesome. feel good because she she needed it. She needed that break from the kids. I don't think she had any worries. I mean, yeah. they're pretty vigilant cool. in how they care. They, they've changed the time windows that to make sure they could clean everything up and whatnot and spread them out. So I, I'm there. I, I really am leaning much more towards the side of... It's time for us to get out and about. It's time for us to start opening up and socializing and, and getting back out there. So that's uh, that's where I'm at, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, feel free to comment with your, your judgments. Get a little No, I'm curious. How did, how did baseball go? How did, how did youth baseball go? Well, we may or may not have been asked to break it up from one park and then move to another. <laughs> yeah. But we did. I've- There's small groups. We're breaking the team up into three groups. Our coach is fantastic and very, very conscious of making sure that everybody stays healthy and that you, know, you get the work in, you get the personal time with the kids, and kids will actually probably be better because of it. They won't gel as much as a team, but they'll be better you know, from a skill level standpoint. It was a fun weekend because we did have that first moment where we got kicked out of a park and had to deal with the rules. Sure. I'm ready for all of that to be done, to be 100% candid, but uh, it was yeah. fun. Well, hey, Good. man, I'll see you around the cul-de-sac sometime soon. All right, Andres, getting into some sports biz. It was an interesting weekend for me. I don't normally watch a ton of NASCAR, but I did. NASCAR is back. You've got uh, Darlington kicked it off. Harvick won the race. No fans. Pretty interesting weekend. What is a NASCAR race like with no fans? Isn't part of NASCAR (laughs) just walking pit road and all the flags and all the campers and all the RVs. I mean, I've been to a few NASCAR races in my day and I don't know. It seems like a sport that's way more about being there than it is watching it. Am I wrong? No, I think when you are there, it is it is definitely that. As a fan of the linear product, the television product, I do not think it was any different. Okay. It was weird to see a car pass the grandstands and there to be anybody in it. And of course you drew attention to it. It wasn't until the very end, and I almost felt bad for Kevin Harvick. He he does his donuts. He parks his car on the finish line. He climbs out of it on the track, and Fox is there to interview him with a microphone on a six-foot pole so you don't see the interviewer. <laughs> he looks almost shaken mm. that there's dead silence after he just won a race. He literally said, he said something to the fact of, it's so weird for me to be here and it's dead silent and I just want to race. He said it. He looked a little uncomfortable, kind of like me at the Waffle House. Like he just looked a little <laughs> discombobulated with the fact that he's used to jumping out of his car, shaking his right. hands, climbing the fence, getting the checker flag, and none of that happened. 
a guy stuck, huh. a, stuck a microphone on a pole in his face. They did a phenomenal job. Fox did a phenomenal job with the coverage, <clears throat> but it's weird. NASCAR is, is not the best, in my opinion, because you can see the same product without the fans. That's why the iRacing, the, the gaming aspect of it worked so well for six weeks. It'll be when these other sports get back into it and you start seeing how they react then with no fans in the stands. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I take golf, so this weekend is the match, right? Part of watching golf on TV, again, I've been to some big golf events before, but part of watching on TV is seeing the reaction of the fans, especially around the green. So maybe this will be novel because it's like four superstars and we feel like we know them a little bit, but I just wonder, take the novelty factor out. Like if events for the next, call it six to 12 months, are limited or there are no fans i guess that nascar event will be uh maybe this kind of a preview of what's to come i mean we talked about ufc the other day on our show i guess i just i'm curious i'll have to tune in and check it out because i know some some bundesliga soccer started and they had no fans so it's happening i mean you can turn on tv and find it now well a little uh special shout out to my beautiful bride who is handling the marketing for the match Tune in Sunday on TNT and see great coverage on Bleacher Report as well. We get some brownie points upstairs, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. The the match is going to be a little different because, one, this happened 18 months ago or whatever it was with Tiger and Phil, and it was a huge success, and there were really no fans in the stands. I don't think you're going to notice a big difference here. People are probably going to have a better viewership experience because they're going to be mic'd up. There's already started a tremendous amount of trash talking. If you're not following those four guys on social media right now, make sure you do at least through Sunday because it's brilliant trash talk with Phil talking about winning the first match and you know Tiger slipping on his green jacket from last year's Masters during the interview. <laughs> it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And Peyton Manning talking about how you know, nobody likes Tom Brady anymore because he viewership's going to be real high in places like Boston, you know, in Indianapolis. It's great. But it is going to be interesting. There's starting to be a lot more rumblings around Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, college football. Yeah. And what I'm hearing, you know, none of this is, is 100% vetted. None of it is guaranteed. But it's really interesting to hear some of the plans. You know, Major League Baseball has talked about getting a June training camp session in for the teams. And then kicking off Fourth of July weekend um, without fans. Major League Soccer has been fairly quiet, but yeah, I hear rumblings that they may be going into the you know the same similar time frame, maybe with a smaller percentage of fans. You know, one of the guys that's a good buddy of mine is working with one of the biggest architectural firms in the country in the world, and they're working closely with a lot of these venues. We may have to have him on closely with a lot of these venues to get prepared for. 25, 35% of fans coming into the venues. And it's not just social distancing. It has to do with sanitation and whatnot. Hearing a lot about college football, potentially as these university presidents are saying that they're going to start on time, that classes are going to start on time, but college football may be slowed down a little bit because we're going to get to a point where they're going to use or check to see how things happen on campus before they start filling crowds. As we talked about last week, it's much more important for the crowds to be at a college football game than it is an NFL game. The NFL has yeah. been pretty transparent about their plan. They want to go and they're ready to go. But uh, all of these different leagues are, you know, got these different rumblings and it'll be interesting to see who starts to pull the trigger, guarantees some deals. If nothing else, it's going to give all the people that follow sports and their respective teams and leagues a lot to pay attention to whereas you know felt like maybe a month ago there was a little hope that we were gonna see much in the way of live sports but it's it does feel like every week that goes on um we get a little feels a little bit more normal so is there any better i don't know what that new normal is but is there any better american story than these things coming back on the fourth of july Mm -hmm. i mean it's gonna make for a busy fall isn't it It'll make for a busy end of summer and a busy fall for sure. But if baseball comes back, if soccer kicks off, if I don't know what the NBA's plan is, you know, they haven't come up with anything yet. But if you think about George Bush, Yankee Stadium, post 9 11, throwing out the first pitch, that was a moment the entire country got behind. And we weren't all affected by 9 11. We were a little bit emotionally, but it wasn't as close 
every main street in the country has been affected by this pandemic. And what an amazing feeling it would be if the switch flips July 4th, our independence, and we start to celebrate or revitalize our independence over COVID-19. Look, man, I, I would love to see that kind of thing. You are a marketing, you are a marketing maven, man. I like that. It would be really cool to see baseball on the 4th of July and turn on the tube and watch some MLS. I think what I'm hearing is there seems to be a growing consensus that they can play and there's enough testing and there's enough protocols that they can put in place to get back on the field. Because I think they realize that longer that they're out, the more damage that they're probably doing or the fans are losing. So what an awesome midsummer break if you could not have the all-star break per se, but you could have the start of some of these leagues. Uh, it would be really cool. It would be really fun. No better show of the resilience of our country than to start kicking off America's pastime and some of our greatest sports coming back and giving everybody a little bit of hope, something to cheer for. And I hope, fingers crossed, um, eating my prayer, eat, saying my prayers and eating my Wheaties. Now, here's the question for you, Brad. Are you taking the fam to a Braves game if they do open up the ball the ballpark? Because you're, you're you're pretty confident. I mean, you're feeling pretty good. It sounds like about you know getting out and about. Yeah, I am. I think it's going to be a little bit of our own responsibility to make sure that we're prepared, that we've educated our kids on how to act and and how to behave and what they need to be aware of. But yeah, I think the moment we get the chance, you know, I, I could see us going. How about you? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't know that I have some you know ten point plan of things I need to see in place. I think it just comes down to. It probably, as much of anything, like a curiosity factor of what are the leagues, what are the stadiums, what are they going to do? Because like we had concert tickets to a show at Cobb Energy Center. It's been delayed a couple of times. It's George Lopez. It was for, I think it was for Christmas. You know, I'd love to go see him live, but I don't even know if that's going to happen. They might just cancel the show outright. You know, I'm definitely hopeful that venues and sports and entertainment get back going selfishly just because my brother works in that field. And I, I want him and other people in those industries that have been impacted to get back to work. I mean, and that's, you know, part of that's just, you know, going out yourself. Have to see how it plays out. Yeah. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. We'll have the chance to do that again sometime and take the kids out together in a safe environment. Good talk. All right, let's jump into this week's Partnership Spotlight. Twist and I were talking a little bit about, you know, we keep a close eye on what's going on in the world of sports. Big movement today in uh, this week in the NBA. The ball has changed. The rock is no longer a Spalding rock. It will now be a Wilson rock. So when you turn, tune into your 2021-2022 season, it's not going to be a Spalding anymore. I think since 1983, that ball has been a Spalding ball, if I remember correctly. And now to make that big change, you know, that's a big shift for that NBA logo to to shine and adorn a, a Wilson ball instead of a Spalding ball. So something to keep an eye out. And that's this week's Partnership Spotlight. All right, Andres, got, we got a lot covered today. I think it was fun. We talked a lot about, you know, just some, some curious things going on. What's, uh, what's on your list for the Final Four this week? Final Four this week I thought would be fun. As we mentioned earlier, families are trying to figure out what they're going to do all summer. People are trying to start planning road trips. So I thought it'd be cool if we went around the horn and everybody gave their top vacation idea for the summer. So I'm kicking it over to you, Brad. Well, anybody who knows me knows that uh, I do things a little over the top. And no. my wife talked about that last week a little bit. Your wife always loves the hashtag talk me out of something. And for me, I want a Griswold family vacation, man. I want to load up the old family truckster. In this case, I'm thinking about an RV trip. And this is no joke, an RV trip across the country with the family. From Atlanta to Chicago, across the top end, down the PCH, then catch it across, maybe catch some of uh, Route 66, go to your neck of the woods, and then work my way back down from... uh, you know, from Kansas City, St. Louis, that kind of thing, back to Atlanta. So all joking aside, I've got the route planned. I just got to find the RV and talk my wife into it. I'm ready to go. Now, are you thinking of an RV or like a pull-behind Airstream kind of RV? What's, where are no, you at on that? Me, giant wheel, open road. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I am in. I can work remote. I'm in. I'm talking about getting Margaret Ann it. to camp in some yurts. 
Share a beer with Russ, all that. Yeah, we're not quite that far along in our planning, but I am curious about where you go. There might have to be a second RV behind you. So this summer, we are planning a road trip. So annually, we always go back and see our grand, you know, the kids get to see their grandparents. Usually, we'll fly sometimes, we'll drive sometimes, but uh, Heidi got herself a a new toy. So we're planning to do a drive back probably the Midwest, and uh, my in-laws, uh, Jim and Dion McElroy, Heidi's mom and dad, have have said, hey, come, bring the grandkids, and so we may spend a couple weeks at the lake with them. So I think that's kind of in the plan for maybe July. You uh, may so want we'll to see. do that in an RV and tag yeah. along with the Griswold family vacation. We may. What you got, Twist? Twist, Twist is on vacation right now. Oh, we are yeah. ruining her vacation while oh, recording wow. this in beautiful Kiowa, but Twist, where else are you going to go? I'm always ready to podcast, but I was going to say, the only thing RV reminds me of is Breaking Bad, so please don't cook any math while you're doing that. (laughs) I promise I won't. I'm afraid of Gus Frame. Where am I going to go on a vacation? I have been splitting my quarantine time between Jacksonville and Atlanta, so I am not in dire need of a vacation, unfortunately. That was a terrible, I know y'all did not want to hear that one, but I am doing okay with quarantine. I'm not, but well, I'm, it is I a pretty rough life. You know, you're doing something wrong as an employer when your employees are doing better and having much more fun with better views than you are. That's for sure. You're in your you're in your home studio, Brad, and she's in Kiowa. Something's something's right with that picture, or wrong with I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm but go Brad, wrong. you're gonna finish us up tonight. You've got a fourth one. It sounds like you got a fourth, a, or uh, a second trip. So bring us home tonight and, and let us know what's the what's the last trip you got planned. It's no secret we have talked about it a time or two here on Biz Dads that baseball is one of the. Uh, rudders of the Olecki family most of the time. And I really want to get a beach baseball tournament. I want to go down to Florida. I want to go down to Panhandle or the Gulf Coast, Alabama, whatever, and and get a baseball tournament. And we've talked about that with some of the dads, some of the moms. I would be very happy to bake in the sun, watching a little baseball, have a little beach time, a couple Coronas, and uh, and make a whole long weekend out of it. That would be my final four for this Corona crap. Well, that's your final four for this week. Vacation ideas for the summer. So you have RVs, baseball, Kiowa, and going to see the grandparents. Love it. Good show this week. We uh, talked about a lot, covered a lot, some good stuff. We'll be back next week with a couple great features and look forward to seeing you guys again around the water cooler. This has been Biz Dads. Have a great week. Bye.